You are listening to episode 145 of Shades Midweek. If you're joining us for the first time, this is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things Shades. We record this each and every week inside of Three Stream Studio, which is just a little room right outside my office here in Shays Valley Community Church. I'm the worship and communications pastor. My name is John Mark DeRoe, and I co-host Shades Midweek alongside Jonathan Hafes and Brad Brown. Well, neither of them are here with me today. Why is that? Well, Brad Brown has started his sabbatical. He'll be gone for the next 12 weeks, so be praying for him. Jonathan Hafes is actually out sick today, so be praying for him and his family He's doing well. Uh, he did come down with COVID, and so right now he's he's in a good place. Uh, he's not feeling too terribly bad. He's just been popping some ibuprofen to try to keep that fever down. But be praying for him and his family. So I am here all by my lonesome in the studio, at least for the first half of this episode. So I just wanted to say welcome and thank you for listening. Uh, I can pretty much do whatever I want. There are no rules. I'm going to give you guys some music, all right? How about that? It's a it's a cold January day, so what better way to experience that than maybe with some ambient music? So here is JM's Album of the Week. JM's Album of the Week. If you've listened to Shades Midweek often, you know that I am a huge fan of ambient music, whether that be of the post-rock vein, Explosion in the Sky, more experimental, such as the Brian Eno. Uh, so I, I like it all in between. Droney, I like, I like droney ambient music. This comes from an artist that I have featured previously on JM's Album of the Week, the artist's name is Alaskan Tapes. He's based out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, another place where it's much colder than it is here ever. And the album is titled Who Tends a Garden? This song is called Library Fields. Here's a little write-up that Alaskan Tapes put up on uh, his Bandcamp page. Who Tends a Garden explores the metaphorical and literal meaning of a garden, whether it's composed of sound or of the dirt in one's yard. The concept for the garden theme came to me in an old bookstore on a trip to the Adirondack Mountains in New York, where I came across the book Who Loves a Garden by Louise Seymour Jones, a title from 1935 filled with old poems and essays on the subject. I love this record. You can purchase a vinyl version if you like through his Bandcamp page. You can purchase the digital files through Bandcamp. You can also just stream it and listen to it on Spotify and Apple Music. Support artists, people. And uh, this is a good one to support. I've been paying attention to Alaskan tapes uh, for just a couple of years now. Really enjoy uh, his ambient music and his output. I had featured his previous album, For Us Alone, that's a great one as well. This one just dropped in January of 2023, so it is a brand new record. And perfect for a cold, kind of dreary 
January day here in Alabama. So check that out. I hope you enjoy it very, very much. All right. Well, normally this would be the spot where, you know, one Brad Brown would give us an awesome recommendation of a book that he's been reading or enjoying. So I'm going to take over that segment for today and share with you guys a book that I particularly love a lot. If you know music, you know what this song is, you know who this artist is. You may say, John Mark, why are you playing a song right now? I thought you were going to recommend a book. Well, it's all tied in together. That's right. Bono, don't know if you ever heard of him, the lead singer of the band U2, wrote a book. It's entitled Surrender, 40 Songs one story just came out last year i'm going to read a little bit from the inside cover here this is a remarkable book by a combative artist who finds he's at his best when he learns how to surrender episodic and irreverent introspective and illuminating surrender is bono's life story organized but not too tidily around 40 u2 songs that's right each chapter in this book is centered around a different song in U2's career and in the form of a memoir autobiography he tells stories about his childhood about being in the band U2 about writing the songs it's just chock full of great stories Uh, to continue here Bono grew up on the north side of Dublin with a Catholic father and a Protestant mother during a time of rising sectarian violence in Ireland The loss of his mother at the age of 14 was the absence that would shape his search for family. His creativity is chaotic, but ever-present in the studio, on stage, at the protest, along the halls of Congress, or in a corner bar. Doors are open to Bono's interior life. The squandering of human potential is a constant theme, as is his faith, which he describes as sorting the signal from the noise, a, quote, still small voice he hears strongest in his marriage, his music, and in the fight against extreme poverty. Above all, Surrender is a love story written to his wife, Allie, whom he asked out on a first date the same week as the band's first rehearsal. Allison Stewart supplies direction for every major scene in this drama, including the third act they now enter with more questions than answers regarding to what to fight for and when to surrender. Yeah, Uh, this book's awesome. I've just barely got into it, barely scratched the surface, about five chapters in. It's a good read. Uh, I know that Andrew Thompson's currently reading it right now. I, I told Kenyon about it. He's a huge U2 fan. Uh, John Ball has been reading it. It's a 500-page book. It's a huge book. So, But I'm going to be making my way through this throughout the year. 
I've really been enjoying it. And there's an awesome playlist that accompanies the book as well. Uh, with Since each chapter is basically focused on a song, the playlist uh, has all of those songs in one place. You can find that on Spotify. I hope you check out that book. Let me know if you've already been reading it already. It is pretty awesome. All right, well, I'm excited because I have done an interview. That's right. We have done an extensive interview, a conversation with Matt Watson. For those who don't know Matt, he is an audio engineer here at Shades. Him and his wife have been going here for several years now, and he has been our primary uh, front of house guy since 2020. And him and a special guest, Joseph Wolski, join me and we just have an extended conversation about church audio. I just, you know, thought it would be a good idea to feature something like that on one of these episodes of Shades of Midweek. It's a topic that is very extensive and, and can be covered in a thorough way. We don't always have a lot of space to share about church audio, just to have a conversation about sound. And so I hope you enjoy it. That is what is on the docket for today. Thanks for listening to Shades of Midweek. Now here is the interview. All right, Midweek, I am here and I'm excited about our interview today. I'm actually in the booth with two special guests, not just one special guest. Um, first of all, let's introduce my co-host for this interview. A lot of you may be familiar with him. He has been at Shades for longer than anyone on staff here at Shades. He grew up here. His name is Joseph Wolski. Joseph. Hello. Thank you for the applause. Wow. Wasn't You're welcome. That. Yeah. We like to take care of our guests here. We like to make them feel warm and welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So Joseph's here and he's going to help me run this interview. And uh, Joseph's been on the podcast before. He's, he has a meet a member episode that you can find in our library. And the special guest that we have today is a mem also a member of Shades Valley Community Church as of last year. But, That's right. And we'll find out how long he's been going to Shades. I would like to introduce to you Mr. Matt Watson. Matt. Hello. Thank you. Oh, it's great to have you here finally in this booth. I know. You've been here forever. I don't even know if you've stepped in f foot inside this room until now. I, I That's probably correct. It's <laughs> uh, more special than I thought it would be. Yeah. Well, here's what's going on for this the episode. Residue of foam on the walls. Yeah, that was... Uh, there used to be some RLX uh, sound baffling on the walls, and uh, I think over time... The glue separated and the baffling started to fall off. So then I decided after I moved into the office, I'm just going to take it all down because some of it's up, some of it's not, and then there's residue left. You did over. a great job. No one can tell. Yeah, I think I'm going to put more up though, and maybe maybe try to do a better job with the nice with the adhesive. Um, here's why we decided to bring Matt on. So Matt, uh, as we'll find out a little bit about him, he. Uh, is experienced with audio, and so the primary way that he serves here at Shades Valley Community Church is he is our primary primary audio technician, our front-of-house engineer, mixer. There's a number of names that we could put on Matt, and he's been doing that now for a while. I would say, really specifically, you stepped in uh, at the beginning of COVID. Uh, you were already mixing before then, 
but COVID was obviously the the height of the pandemic right there at the beginning when we stopped meeting in person for quite a bit. Matt helped uh, and stepped in and helped us get all of our live stream stuff set up. And it was uh, quite an undertaking for Shades and for him. And so he's been heavily involved really since then. Um, so coming up on three years, and I think you were mixing even before then. So you've probably been mixing for four years here at Shades. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah, I was rotating around with some other people that were here. So we th- we thought it would be cool to bring Matt on, not necessarily do a meet a member. We'll he- we will hear a little bit about him and his family and what he does, but we thought we'd like to have a conversation just about church audio. Yes. So Matt, before we get into the church audio stuff, just tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from. Uh, tell us about your family, maybe what you do for a job, for a living. Let's, let's talk about all those things real quick. Yeah, I'm from Arkansas originally. Uh, I lived there for 30-something years. Uh, and then my wife, Rebecca, uh, she and I came over here um, in 2018, mid-2018. Um, she is a women's health physical therapist um, over at Therapy South, uh, just down the road from here. Mm-hmm. Um I got into church audio um, from my uh, church when I was teaching. Uh, I started to go to this church, and um, the worship pastor there, his name's Dane, uh, he had an open call uh, for people to come up and and to, hey, do you want to be part of the worship team? Uh, He was new. Um, He was just stepping into that position. And so uh, I went up there, and uh, I said, yeah, I play guitar, and I sing and so he said, great. So we set up a time. And I went in there. Uh, it was just he and I. And I played guitar. Not really great because I didn't practice or anything because I thought, meh, whatever. And so uh, I was like, yeah, I can do all that stuff. That's totally fine. And he just looked at me and he was like, yeah, okay, great. Um, and at the end he said, why don't you go be back in the booth? And we don't, <laughs> we don't have to look at you. So, um, so uh, I, I, I was offended, uh, but for really the only time in my life, really the only time in my life, I, I said, you know what, okay. Uh, and so I uh, did not know anything about sound, nothing. Wow. Nothing about any equipment, nothing. And um, he, like most worship pastors, knew a little bit to kind of get around. Right, right. Um, and he just, man, he, he, he gave me free reign pretty early on, um, you know me. I, I tend to be pushy, and I tend yeah. to tend to want to explore some things and do some things. And and Dane, uh, he 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 learned um, that I was eager, um, and he just has a super kind spirit and is willing to 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 let people explore and learn stuff. Um, so man, that's where I, that's where I cut my teeth in audio there, and then moved um, to a different part in Arkansas, and I worked with an audio company for about six months. Uh, I just helped them load in shows and things. I never got to run anything, but that was that was fun to see all the the large scale productions. Mm-hmm. Then moved over here. Um, I uh, went to Samford for my master's degree in music performance, uh, and uh, you you've seen me play euphonium on stage a couple of times. Yes, sir. Yeah, and uh, while there, there was a venue that nobody wanted, and I said, "Please let me do this." And uh, finally, they let me do it, and I managed it for about a year. And then COVID happened. Uh, we started going to Shades around 2018. It would have been the end of 2018, I think. Um, we tried a few other churches, went to a few other things, but then then came back here. Um, and I would have started running sound in probably mid 2019 here. Yeah, something like Sounds that. Sounds about right. Yeah. So, 
And tell us about your family. So you're married. Do you have any children, Matt? Yeah, I have one. She's a year and a half, uh, Chloe. Um, so she's great. Uh, that's been a fun experience. I stay home with her full time. Um, so I'm a stay-at-home dad. Uh, yes. My wife, Rebecca, is a women's health physical therapist. Um, so she can explain all of that to you if you would <laughs> like. Uh, I'm happy to talk about it, but I don't think that's what this podcast is about. Uh, but she she loves what she does. Um, she's very, very good at it. Um, so, but yeah. Fantastic. That's awesome, man. Yeah, so, how, so uh, going back to Dane and uh, the church in Arkansas that kind of got you started with audio, how many years ago was that? That would have been, I graduated college in 2011. I probably started going to that church shortly thereafter, maybe maybe winter of 2011 or early 2012. And so 2012, I would have been at the church for a few months, and then I uh, volunteered to do some of that. For the, so from 2012 to about 2016, those four years, mm-hmm. I was the the primary audio guy. I was the yeah. only I was the only one, and I was there just every Sunday. Formative years for you, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dane is great. He's a huge mentor, mm-hmm. just a sweet spirit, um, just a great, great guy. Really love Dane to death. He's awesome. Well, that's awesome, man. And uh, I guess I don't really know where the best place is to start, but I'm trying to consider the listeners and, and as uh, maybe a lot of, lot of the people that listen to our show, maybe they don't know just a lot about sound in general they don't know a lot about in particular sound in in church and within our context obviously at shades valley community church because a vast majority of the people listening go to shades valley or have been to shades valley before so with kind of a focus in on that a bit um where where would you like to start matt i have a question yeah i I would rather just take questions all right joseph go for it so that's why i brought joseph along this is great uh he prepared you you clearly didn't neither did i (laughs) (laughs) all right okay ready go for it okay so why is there a sound person why isn't it why can't the people just play their instruments and uh get up there and play their instruments yeah yeah um that's a great jumping off point um why why sound at all? I grew up in a Baptist church um, that had an organ and a piano. Um, it had a balcony, so it was mm-hmm. a fairly large physical space. And my father, who is great, um, hates drums and guitars. He is very much in the 1970s, you know, Joan Baez, the Carpenters. Folk. Yeah, he likes listening to all that. Um, and so he... informed my opinion of church sound early on that that microphones are bad um drums are bad electric guitars oh my gosh don't even don't even attempt uh and so all the way through college uh all the way through high school and college it was i was in that same exact vein this is this is bad don't don't do this in church Mm -hmm. uh and then when i started going to uh the dange church um I had to I had to come come out of that uh, because I was running sound, <laughs> and so it's like, well, okay, I guess I better I, I guess I better come up with some sort of a justification. So why sound in church? Sound in church, number one, even at a church that has no electric guitars or drums or anything, there are microphones. There just are. You have a podium microphone. Right. You have choir microphones that you may not be able to see. Um, they're hanging a lot of times. Um, you have speakers that are flown overhead. Sometimes they're disguised. Sometimes they're not. 
uh, unless it is a very, very small physical space. But even in those buildings, Mm -hmm. my dad preaches in a one-room church, and they have a microphone. Microphones help people hear. So just right off the gate, they they help people understand. um, They provide clarity. They provide volume. So why microphones here particular at Shades? Well, Shades has decided to have a modern worship service. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who decided that. Maybe Joseph, since he's the oldest one here, can enlighten us on who decided that. But Shades decided to have a modern worship service. And so by necessity, you have to have microphones to be able to amplify the sound in such a way that it sounds like what it needs to sound like. But why, do we, why can't we just plug the microphones in and... Uh and let them let the people sing. Why, yeah. why do we need somebody like you to run? I mean, I guess I could. I could set it up to just be a computer <laughs> back there and and slam compressors on. It'll sound really weird. It'll what sound I, really. What weird. I'm getting at is like you know what the like you know the concept of a mix and the yeah. concept of like um, you know who makes the decisions of how loud like of. of what's at what level and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. For the most part, I do. And JM and I, we joke all the time that what JM hears in his ears is not at all what's in the house. Which that's another good, really <laughs> well, good point. Let's table, let's table the ear that's, conversation. We, we can table that. Yeah. I, I want to get to that because some people don't even realize yeah. how the musicians hear themselves yeah. on stage. We'll get to that in a second. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, that's the second part of that question. So why sound in church? Okay, and then what do you do now that you have this sound? You can set it up to where literally no one touches it. I could do that. I could set it up to where you guys make sound, and here we go. It would sound really strange, um, and it would not sound mixed um, correctly. You would have guitars that are way too loud. You'd have people's vocals that you can't hear. So in in a very basic sense... An audio engineer like myself, we, we, in the most basic sense, we, we correct, we normalize things throughout the service. So if something is too loud, we make it less loud. If something is not loud enough, we make it louder. And so we are always reacting to what happens um, based on what we hear in the speakers. In just the very most basic sense, we make volume determinations. Um, based on what we hear. That's a great answer. And one thing I wanted to throw out there too, because you, you actually mentioned Matt, you know, shades, how did shades come about, you know, deciding, Oh, it's going to be like a modern worship service. We're going to have drums and all that. Um, Joseph, you've been here the longest, so you would know for certain before all the staff were here, what kind of worship you guys were doing. I've seen videos. So I know that, real instruments have been a part of Shades worship for quite some time. So Shades was never like a church, like I'm sure in its founding, they didn't have like, we only have an organ and we have a piano and we're going to have a choir. And that's going to, that's never kind of been Shades MO, I feel like. So, but one thing I wanted to back up and I know that a lot of people are familiar with this, but just theologically speaking, you know, worship in church, if you just go to the Psalms, there are a number of Psalms that are real simple, and it's like this basic application of what does it look like to praise the Lord and how do we give praise to the Lord. So if you if you go to Psalm 150, for example, 
uh, and I'm reading from the ESV here. Let it, let everything praise the Lord. The verse is, the verses are praise the Lord, praise God in His sanctuary, praise Him in His mighty heavens, praise Him for His mighty deeds, praise Him according to His excellent greatness. And then here comes the instruments: praise Him with trumpet sound, praise Him with lute and harp. Those are stringed instruments. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Tambourine's percussive instrument. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. So there's the drums. Then it actually emphasizes. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. I don't know what the Greek is on all this. We can get Jonathan to tell us that later. But praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So I'd say that's pretty straightforward in terms of uh, a directive on encouraging uh, the body of believers in the sanctuary to praise with song and to praise with instruments. And so obviously within our modern context, we don't use a lot of lute and harp here at Shades Valley. Uh, we don't use a lot of trumpets, although I, I cool. welcome all of those things. Lute and None of us play those things. <laughs> we have guitars, we have drums, we have synthesizers, we have uh, you know an electronic piano as opposed to like a live in the room upright or grand piano or something like that. Um, so I think theologically that's kind of where we stand. We believe the scriptures and uh, as we read the Psalms that that gives us a directive on how to praise the Lord. So we kind of base off base off of that and there's been a there we could talk probably have a whole conversation about the worship wars and how you know churches uh, a lot of churches you would go to many, many years ago were just choir and piano and organ, and how through uh, the Jesus movement of the late 60s and 70s and vineyard worship and charismatic worship kind of led to there being more bands in churches and things like that. That's a whole other conversation, um, but that's that's where we are at Shades. We've, uh, it's, since I've been here, it's always been worship within a modern context, and I try to diversify the instrumentation that we have on stage as much as I can, depending on who's available. Yeah, and so I think if if we if we take that, okay, so Shades has decided to be a modern a modern worship. Okay, that's fine. So now, do what what do we do? Do right. we just set up a computer and do we say go for it, or is there some value um, in trying to make the worship sound as is good the right word or as as appropriate as we can get like right. is there is there value in okay we're a modern worship group let's make it sound like the best modern worship group that we can with the equipment and the spaces and the people and everything that we have right, right. you know um rather than just saying shades is a modern worship group let's just do whatever and if it's not balanced if the drums are chaotic and whatever we don't care about that you well know. another uh factor here i think is like it's easy to understand that the band, um, you know, four or five of us up there on on a Sunday, that we're playing music together in harmony, and there's like some musical chemistry going on, and some energy, and that it's all focused towards God, and that we're worshiping together, and like leading the congregation in worship, and that the band. It's easy to understand that the band is a is a part of facilitating that. I think um, the sound guy the audio mixer is also just as much a part of that and um that yeah probably even more so the well i don't know about that i'm just kidding probably <laughs> even more so because i can literally turn uh, it all off 
No, I was kidding. But I thought you. I thought that was a. That was a. You were like. And I am Whatever. being facetious a little know. bit, for sure. All right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> because if you're not up there making noise, uh, you know, we can't do it. No, I'm kidding. Um, but it definitely is in a, in a way that's not as obvious, and that you're you're um, that there's just as much um, like attunement to the room and the Holy Spirit, and um, as there is for someone that's that that's on the stage. Um, making music playing an instrument so um how you set the levels how you um how you make it sound um definitely affects the room just as much as an instrument that's yeah and 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 that's another theological discussion if you want if you want to have that one but you know do we have very good musicians that that play on sunday and they are very comfortable with themselves. They, they, this is a, it's a very cohesive unit for the most part that plays. Um, and so my job is, do I do the best that I can to make them sound as good as, as good as they can? And, you know, if you want to have a different theological discussion about such someone that doesn't know how to play guitar, should they be allowed to go up and play guitar? Well, I don't know. That's, that's not, that's right. not for me to decide, but it, 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 you know, it's not what happens on a day in and day out Sunday. Um, but regarding um, what you said about worshiping, this this is what I feel called to do. I worship through sound. Um, I worship through through mixing sound. I worship through being invisible if I can. Like if people don't come up to me after a Sunday. That's I'm totally fine with that because yeah. that means I I probably did my job well. Yeah, you know I'm 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 right there worshiping along with everyone else. I'm I am trying to feel the Holy Spirit in moments and say, look, this is the Spirit is moving here, mm-hmm. especially in our our prayer and worship Sundays. Right. You know, the last one that we had a couple of weeks ago was super powerful, and so it was it was me trying to feel that and go, oh, you know what this this here's this big moment that's happening, this emotional moment that music can affect. And so let me try and, you know, try and ride that and and encourage that as best I can, as opposed to not doing that and just sort of, I don't know, almost pulling it back and not, not being in tune with that. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm very aware of, of uh, the Holy Spirit's leanings and that, that this is something that, I'm not just up there doing it for glory, for sure. Mm-hmm. They don't pay me enough to do it. <laughs> well, and I would say, too, you know, the audio person is just as much a part of the band as any musician yeah. that's on stage. And in a lot of ways, you are mixing is, I mean, you are almost as much of, as an instrument as anyone else that's yeah. that's playing on stage, that's playing keys or playing drums. You are playing the audio boards. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, like a like okay. Let's say we take a guitar and we just strum a guitar in a room. Okay, right. based on the room, that guitar is going to sound way different. You know, mm-hmm. if we go in a cathedral and we strum the guitar without any mics, it's going to sound way different than if we strum it in this podcast room. Right. So part of my job as an audio engineer is to recognize what the room sounds like, and I want that guitar. Usually for me, I want that guitar to sound consistent, room to room to room. 
even though the room itself does weird things, even though the speaker does weird things, the microphones do weird things. I want that guitar to sound like Joseph's guitar every time Joseph plays the guitar, every right. time JM plays the guitar. I want it to be, here's JM's guitar, and we want that consistency. Now, we're in the same room every single time, so that's pretty simple. But in general, when I go mix in various places, I want things to sound as they are supposed to sound. And so that is certainly part of my job. Uh, that's that's part of my instrument let me let me right. correct what the speakers are doing because the speakers don't reproduce sound perfectly at all they're not even close to reproducing sound perfectly at right. all you know go take a pair of really cheap headphones and then go take a pair of really nice headphones and just listen to both of those back and forth and it's very evident that one's cheaper for a reason so speakers aren't perfect and that's where i then come in you know my my baseline level is okay, let me mix volume, but then if we step up from that, okay, let me make things sound like they're supposed to sound. Let me mm -hmm. make a guitar sound like a guitar, make the piano sound like a piano, not like it's in a phone booth or anything like that. You know, that's sort of the next step up in audio engineering. One is just purely volume. The next step up is, okay, let's, let's find some tone, let's find some colors, and how do we make this sound like it needs to sound? Yeah, and I think you bring out an important point for those that don't know much about music or about sound is that he is not, uh, when someone is mixing, uh, and let's just consider Matt because he's here with us and he mixes at Shades Valley. When Matt is mixing on a Sunday morning, he is not purely just turning up and down volumes. He's actually shaping and curving the sounds of the instruments that are being inputted into uh, the speakers. And so there's a lot that goes on outside of just a simple matter of, is it too quiet? Is it medium? Is it too loud? Is this the perfect volume for it? There's so much more that's that's happening outside of yeah, those Yeah, and you, you might be able to even do it right there on your board. Can you oh, make yeah. my what, voice what do you sound? Wanna, what do you want to do? Just like, make it sound? Take out all the high end yeah. or something. Uh, do you have any cue? Uh, I don't really have any cue. You may you have to... <laughs> You can do it after the fact. Yeah, you, you may have to do it. You may have to do it post. So we're going to assume you're going to do can, it post. I so. can do. Uh, hold on, hold on. I can do advanced. I can. What does this do? Just keep talking for a second. <laughs> Let's just see that. what happens. This noise gate. I put a Check. noise gate on. Well, on the noise gate would, if I'm below a certain uh, volume, it'll cut me out completely. Oral exciter. Yeah, that's going to boost the high exciter. end if you want to turn that on. All right. There's it. There it is. Off. Off. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, on. hello, hello. Yeah, it boosts a little bit of yeah, the high end. Yeah, I could end. hear it. Not I a much. Hear a little not bit much. of a change. But yeah. if we let's say let's say post. So post, you're gonna go fix it. So right now you've taken out all the high end of my voice, and you've okay. only left the low end in. So all the high end out of my voice is gone. You can hear what it sounds like. Totally, totally different. Okay. Now put all the high end back in. Take out all the low end. Only leave everything above like five thousand hertz. Just leave that in. What's high end and low end mean? Yeah, so if, in a in a real general sense, by the way, fix my voice. Uh, <laughs> in a real general sense, um, just think of it. Think of it like um, instruments, or you, you can even most people have a have a generic knowledge of speakers, so it's subwoofers versus right, but high pitches speakers. and low pitches, yeah. basically. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Um, but each sound, um, like my voice, is not made up of one particular sound. It's made up of hundreds of individual little 
um, uh, uh, frequencies that combine together to make my voice. It's why I sound like Matthew and why JM sounds like JM and why you sound like Joseph. It's why two trumpets don't sound the same, even though they may be really close and they may be the exact same instrument. And in fact, they may be being the exact same player. He can move from one trumpet to another and they don't sound exactly the same. It's because sounds are not just a single sound. So my voice is made up of hundreds of thousands, infinitely many sounds that, that come together. And so part of my job is to shape those sounds and to make them, uh, bend them to my will, if you will. <laughs> and, and there's and a lot of math and not math, not actual math, but there, like, I mean, there is a lot of uh, stuff going on to make sure like a, an even sounding, good sounding room yeah. is the result of a lot of effort put into like, let's take the mid range out of yeah. X instrument and and boost the mid range in the other yeah. instrument and and so it all evens out and it sounds pleasant. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of uh, mixes that are not too loud, but they're they sound bad and may they may be described as too loud because they're mixed poorly. And there's some that are actually louder but feel really pleasant and feel really well mixed. So like so a, an untrained ear may say, oh, this doesn't sound good or oh, this sounds too loud or what I can't hear the whatever. And, uh, but sometimes that's really just a, a, what they're hearing is just a poorly mixed yeah. room. Yeah, that, that's absolutely part of it. And that, that you said untrained for sure. I am, I am 34 years old. Um, I have been a band director. I have been around music my, my whole life. Um, so like my musical ear has been trained many, many, many times. Mm -hmm people probably don't even realize how good of an ear JM has. JM has an exceptional musical ear. It is unbelievable. You may listen to him and you may be like, I don't like that. But you, it's unbelievable, his musicianship. Okay, your musicianship is very good. It's not as good as JM's, but your <laughs> musicianship is <laughs> Definitely <very good>. not. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I say all that to say, like, we're, we're not up there just like, this is my first Sunday to ever run a board or anything like right. that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, you can do a lot of things to make a mix sound bad or loud or whatever without it actually being that. It's exactly yeah. what you said. I can make a bad mix that's really not too loud, but it, it sounds too loud. Right. Mm. I, I want to caveat one thing I just said. I think, um, I was saying that to express the amount of effort and knowledge that goes into yeah. mixing. Yeah. Um, but I do think it's also part of the person mixing's job to make it sound pleasant. So yeah. like uh, if someone says it's too loud, maybe you do turn it down or maybe you dig a little deeper and figure out why it feels too loud. Yeah. I just, I don't want to, I wasn't trying to say, well, the no, untrained no, no. Yeah. people, untrained ears can just <laughs> need to, you know, Yeah. I was saying that's part of the job to make it sound pleasant is to, uh, is to, you know, pay attention to all those yeah. factors. Yeah, and that's a good point. My, my wife, Rebecca, has a very good musical ear, and, and I have her listen to a lot of stuff that I do. Um, she stands back there many, many times, uh, wherever I am, and she, I'll ask her, you know, what do you hear? Is this too loud? And sometimes she can't necessarily verbalize other than, yeah, it, it feels too loud, and so that's where I then go, okay, is it purely a volume thing, or is it something with JM's voice that's causing him to feel too loud. His his yeah. voice is too present. And that's not even necessarily a volume or thing. Or sometimes it's just like the symbols yeah. were were loud 
at that chorus. Yeah. And that is why the whole thing feels too loud. Yeah, it could just be that one thing, and then right. our ears our ears take a minute to yeah. kind of come back down uh, from a loud point. It could be the cymbals are too loud, and so instead of lowering everything, I just pull the cymbals down a yeah. little bit. And, and that's where I kind of have to interpret um, if if my wife is able to, to kind of give me any feedback. Um, yeah, or if I'm in the room and I'm like, eh, something feels loud. What is it? What is it? Is it everything, or is it an individual thing? What what can I do here to kind yeah. of kind of figure? Is it balanced and too loud, or is it out of balance so it feels too loud? Yeah, the amount of variables when considering music and audio, it's a staggering. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it just, especially, I don't mix very often, and so when I do, I kind of have to uh, dust off my, you know, all <laughs> but like. Uh, a lot of times I feel like, oh, it just feels like a huge wall of sound. Yeah. And like, it's not like any one thing is too loud. It just all feels like a big muddy wall. Yeah. And a lot of times the answer is um, to EQ things. E- that's yeah. that's what we were talking about, pulling out high end, low end yeah. of different things so that um, the electric guitar is kind of dominating one frequency and the, the um, vocals are kind of not trying to fight for that same area yeah of the, of yeah the, definitely yeah. i mean that is a that is a great point we have instruments on stage and they all kind of have their own characteristic but then when it comes through speakers you have to make sure that that characteristic is still there or sometimes even kind of reshape it a little bit mm-hmm. so that you're able to to piece all those things together and be able to hear mm-hmm. to hear what you want to hear um yeah i definitely do do quite a bit of that his his piano has a certain sound to it but i i sort of change the sound slightly so that it doesn't occupy the same space as your um, electric because your electric tends to occupy a lot of high frequencies mm-hmm. you don't tend to have a lot of um, sort of heavy distortion on you, you your distortion tends to tilt towards the high end and so i let the keyboard occupy those more mid-range sounds so that the your guitar can be there yet at the same time the acoustic if there is one that needs to not occupy the same space as your electric, right. even though they're sort of in the same thing. Yeah, so there's all this handshaking that's going on. I want to be able to hear, my thought is every time, can I hear everything at every point? Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm constantly, my ears, I'm cycling through. Can I hear everything at every point? Everything at every point. That's what I do when I mix on a Sunday. Cool. You want to so talk about our, oh, sorry. Go ahead. What you want to talk say? about our latest little project with the with the ceiling? Uh, sure. What latest little project? <laughs> the fills. Um, so um, Joseph added fills. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by fills? What are you saying right now? Uh, so we have a we have a cluster of speakers um, that that hang right in the center of the room, which is if if we're being honest, it's not ideal. Um, it's 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 not ideal. It, I would yeah. call it kind of an old school way to do it. Um, Right, it would it would be done. I know you've you've have had people look at the at the system before, and I think almost every time they've recommended doing something else. Yeah, yeah, they've recommended just hanging two pairs of you know right uh, left and right. Um, and so that that center cluster radiates sound throughout the room. Uh, back in the corner where the Wolnskis sit. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just I want to emphasize that Joseph did the, all of this. The Amen corner. The Amen corner over there. Just kidding. I don't know. Uh, well, it's it, just why I noticed. Yeah, it's and it's totally valid. Um, over on on the extreme, over on the wings, um, the sound tends to get um, uh, muddy. It loses clarity because you're off axis of the speakers, mm-hmm. so you're not looking straight down the speaker. You're you're off center, so it naturally loses clarity. 
And so and it's just the farthest back. Yeah, and it's the farthest back. And so Joseph had had a great idea um, of of putting fills, uh, which are just individual speakers that uh, fire to kind of a section, and you are filling in the sound that is missing. I mean, that's literally what right. it is. Uh, and so he put uh, a couple of speakers on each wing um, over the screens that are filling in some of those missing frequencies as well as some of that missing volume um, to make it more consistent around the room. So it's, yeah. a great, it's a great thing to do. And one thing that should be noted, too, is that, you know, every room is different. And in our case, we are a smaller church. We have pretty high ceilings for a smaller yeah. room. Yeah. And... Our chair setup is, uh, I would say, totally unorthodox compared yeah. to normal room setups. So if you go to like a concert, I'm trying to compare it to something. If you go to a concert at the Legacy Arena downtown, like I saw Metallica there. When Metallica played there, they played in the round. So they were in the center of the room, and every everyone that was in the audience completely surrounded them, 180. Oh, yeah. And so in in sort of a way, that's almost the way that we have the room set up here. It's not a full circle. It's almost like a semicircle, but you have uh, folks that are actually like sitting more to the sides of the room, which is probably unorthodox. Like if you walk yeah. into a normal church, you know, with pews or chairs, everything's kind of set up from the front to the back in center rows that are you know, yeah. straight across, right? Yeah. And then all the speakers in that room are then appropriately designed and hung to point to those rows in such a way that it's hitting everything. And so our room is a lot different. We have people that are sitting on like extreme sides of the room. And so doing something like adding fills helps to fill up the, the yeah. sound. And, and I think that like, it's not wrong. It's just, it just complicates it. Like it's a, the, the simplest setup would be you know a rectangle and you're just kind of yeah, shooting a big old box uh, right. in one direction yeah um and you have more control and but like in a room like ours it's not optimized for you know perfect sound it's optimized for you know we've, we've made all those decisions very intentionally yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and you then made had to adapt almost theologically this, right? right yeah um yeah and so uh the the solving the the sound puzzle is um you know more of a challenge but um and there's also like um you know certain areas of the room where people are like you know we want the back to be filled with sound we don't want the back to necessarily be like uh the quietest so um this is a yeah new idea i didn't mean to make the whole story about <laughs> about me i was no, uh, you know you were very involved we we, yeah. we did it this morning and we um Matt got here and we, you know, tuned the room, started playing music through it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's something but that that we've been we've tried before with we've put up little speakers before and tried it. Um, I don't think that had the effect that we were hoping for. But the effect isn't supposed to be, oh great, it looks like they added new speakers. the The effect is supposed to be, oh, it just feels good. Yeah, not even noticeably better. Just yeah, good. and you and you said something um, when we were working on it that was that was a really great idea about the number of speakers. Mm. Do you remember what you said? Uh, like the the m w having more speakers filling the, filling the space more, I guess, uh, can kind of uh, s uh, inadvertently result in the overall speaker of uh, the level of each speaker being lowered yeah. because you end up it feels more even rather than just like this intense 
uh, sound coming from one point. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, but again, that's, that's like the science of it. This is it's really the the end goal is for nobody to think about it or notice, but to just focus on worship. Yeah. Yes. That's that's always the end. That's always the end goal. I did a when I was doing my master's program, I did a poll. Um, of some worship leaders, JM was one of them, and uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I did how did a, that go? By the way, because uh, I, I answered your survey. Yeah, I, I said I would send it out to people, and I never did. But <laughs> I'm confessing my sins. Uh, I have it. Like I sent it out to seven or eight worship pastors. Some of them at a big church. Um, uh, some of them in the churches in the thousands. Some of them um, like our church or even smaller. And and one of the questions that I was asking is, what is the point of sound? Um, what should what should an audio engineer do? And Almost to a fault, every one of them answered the audio engineer should should be invisible, should help worship, and it should they should make it um, as um, eliminate like eliminate problems as uncumbersome right. as as possible. Right? Um, if the audio engineer has a hiccup, oh, the batteries are dead. You know, I've almost I've really done something wrong <laughs> because you shouldn't you shouldn't have those 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 issues. Yeah, what? You can make mistakes. Yes, sure. You can, but but yes. No, but Joseph. No mistakes <laughs> are allowed. No, but it's you like that's perfect. But that's the goal of the audio engineer. It's like to just be as invisible as possible to help people right. worship, as you said, and not even think about what's happening, what's even coming out of what's even coming out of the speakers. It should just sound right. It should just sound yeah. like it needs to sound. So, well, I'll tell you, man. The previous church that I was at, if some of the things. <laughs> <laughs> that it happened at Shades on a regular basis happened there. There would be a, a talking to yeah. by somebody afterwards. <laughs> uh, that's one of my favorite things about Shades. But that's the beauty of Shades, Shades is yeah. that we, you know, it's it's not uncommon for someone to walk up to the mic and not understand how close they need to be to the mic when they're right. reading scripture or to how to turn it on or things like that. And, you know, it's just the messy authenticity, as we say. It's one of our four convictions. I think Jonathan would say that if he's here now, so I'm going to act like I'm Jonathan and <laughs> mention the convictions. Okay, so, yeah, man, we've talked about, we've covered a lot of ground so far. I'm really into it. Uh, one thing I want to mention, and then I want to go on to like a little bit of in-ear monitoring. So we've talked a lot about like how yeah. you hear things, and um, how what you're hearing is also generally what the audience is hearing, or you know, being. And I just want to clarify, uh, there is a difference between loud, just like a loud mix, and a mix that sounds good, and a mix that sound sounds good could also sound good and be loud at the same time. Yeah. But you could also have a loud mix that does not sound good. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so maybe talk a little bit about what that looks like, and uh, how people would maybe perceive that, like someone that's not an, a musical person or an audio person. Yeah. So I wish there was a way that I could just sit here and, and show you. Right. Um, but um, yeah, the in general, human beings perceive loudness um, at certain frequency ranges more than others. Mm -hmm. So if you think about your telephone, do telephones have good audio? No, they have terrible audio. Right. Especially (laughs) when they used to be the landline phones. Right. There was a very deliberate reason why telephones have terrible audio. It's because the um, manufacturers of telephones 
specifically eliminated all of the frequencies except for the ones that are important for humans to be able to hear mm. consonants. And so you only hear a tiny range, and it also transmits a whole heck of a lot less data, um, but you only hear a tiny range of frequencies. Now with the advent of the internet and Zoom and stuff, we can send whatever we want. This podcast, obviously, we can send however right. much audio we want. But back in ye olden uh, Bell South, AT&T, whoever did the original thing, like they limited the amount of, of data that was sent over telephone lines. And that stuff always sounded bad. So if I were to make a voice sound like that on a worship, uh, on a Sunday morning, it didn't matter how loud they are. You're always going to think it sounds really bizarre and really, like if I made it slightly too loud, you would just constantly be offended by it and think it was probably too loud. And it has nothing to do necessarily with it actually being too loud. It's just those particular frequencies human beings perceive as loud. Symbols are another example. Mm, yeah. They occupy all of the frequencies that we think of as too loud. Yes. And so when we hear symbols, our first reaction is to go, oh my gosh, that's too loud. Yeah, it's very brash. It's right. clangy, yeah. clashing. Yeah, and yeah. it's right in that frequency band. Right. And but so we're supposed to clash, right? We are supposed yes, to clash. Yes, loud clanging symbols. Absolutely yes. we are. And so um, part of it is is those symbols occupy those frequencies. Um, part of it is also the symbols in the room are just loud. Right. right. That's part of it. Right. Hard um, to control. Like, yeah, hard to you control. You could turn the mics off and yeah. they could. And you would still hear it. But and that's not necessarily always a drummer issue. It could nope. just be the issue of the room and the way that it's yeah. designed. Like we yeah. said before, there's and, many factors. Right. And again, we've decided to have acoustic drums, which right. I think is great. Right. Uh, I don't have a problem with that. Um, and so, by necessity, in order to to make what we hear out of the speakers sound correct like it should there's a certain amount of volume that has to happen through those speakers now will it momentarily get quote unquote too loud yeah probably mm -hmm. you know if you're gonna if if a drummer just goes crazy and smashes on a cymbal one time it's gonna be too loud i can't catch that i'm reacting right. to what i hear i don't i don't have an ability um, unless they've played the same song over and over and over and, over and the drummer does the exact same thing and then i could right but we don't do that here. Right. We, we change things up constantly, which is great. Um, so, yeah, there are moments where you may feel like it's too loud, and it's generally always right in that range. It's the cymbals. It's it's eh, kind of the kick drum a little bit, but that's in a different range. It's an acu or it's a electric guitar that operates the same range. It's a singer saying tss, tss, tss. You know, anything, it's all in that same frequency range that we just sort of go, oh, this is too loud, when everything else is, is not too loud, but momentarily it hits over that. I have a question. Yeah. Or a, a route to go down. Okay. Uh, so, like, we're, we've talked a lot about too loud and, and hitting that, yeah. that limit. Um, too quiet, I think, is also... Oh, it's real bad. It's bad. Yeah. Because... Uh, because it, it feels like you know, like we were talking about part of you're you're part of the band you're part of mm -hmm. of of uh, you know, getting what the band is doing. Yeah. And Are you about to talk it. as a musician on stage? N not as much as well. Just like it, because I hope you would. Too loud. That I mean, is a factor too. Yeah. For, for sure. Too quiet. Um, can basically it looks like the band is like in a different 
world. Yeah. You know, the band, <laughs> yes. the band it may be like trying to communicate or like express a certain amount of en- energy yeah. that's not being translated to the room. And I can't tell you how many times I've seen a room that's mixed too low and the room, like yeah. the, everyone is just feels like they're just kind of standing there watching the band do something yeah. and is. I don't know if unable is the word, but unable to engage even. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think, you know, the balance has to be struck. And and that's why the answer to uh, why not just make it quieter is is not simple, you know. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, it's not simple. That's a great that's a great response. When Joseph's when Joseph's playing electric guitar, he's not playing through an amp, so there's no stage volume. Uh if he was like up there just like head banging to a song and just going nuts, yeah. but you could literally hear the physical strum of his guitar on stage because <laughs> right. his guitar was too low, that would be really awkward and weird. That yeah. somebody would be like, What is wrong with Joseph? It's right like now? electric drums. What is why can't I hear his guitar? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, electric, it's like electric drums. Electric drums have yeah. that all the time. People yeah. churches get electronic drums because the and drums you hear are that. Drums are too loud, and you hear the 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 ticky tack on the pads, which is not actually <laughs> yeah. the drum sound. Yeah, you know. And but, as a worship leader, I would say, even though I'm not running sound, I would say one of my personal convictions is that the audio would fill up the room in such a way that, like Joseph was saying, people can become more engaged with worship that it doesn't serve as a distraction, like Matt has pointed out uh, previously here, and that. It creates an environment where people can feel confident and comfortable to sing along to the songs. After all, as we're gathering together, uh, the most important thing is to lift up our praise to God and for everything to point to Him. And uh, you can create an environment through sound in which that people are more comfortable yep. to sing. Because um, it can be awkward if it's really quiet and yeah. you're not really comfortable singing in front of the, your neighbor. Yeah. And so maybe you don't want to because yeah. you're like, oh, they can hear me right now. Yep. That's, I'm just going to be quiet. It's a big yeah. thing. And definitely yeah. the inverse of that is true as well. You, you Undoubtedly, we have some, some, some members of the congregation that think, uh, well, I can't sing because it's too loud. Right. And so right. there is definitely a balance of, you know, as as in when I'm in the congregation, I want to hear other people right. singing. And but at the, the same yeah, time, we a, have a band. That's a big thing is like you can make it so quiet that no one sings. And then you can make it so loud that you couldn't hear yeah. anybody singing. Right. But right. you can also like you can you can, again, feel the whole it's a whole feel thing. But you can get to a point where. Everyone feels comfortable enough to sing, but then can also hear everyone else singing, which yeah. is very powerful. Yeah. So, it's there's a lot of dynamics there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not simple. I like that. Yeah. I like that. It is not simple for sure. Okay. Well, let's briefly talk about why is it that the instrumentation, the instrumentalists that are on the stage, can't aren't hearing the same mix out in the front of house. We we use something called in ear monitors. So why don't we talk a little bit of that, Matt? I'll yeah. just let you go with that. But why is it that when I'm leading, I'm not necessarily hearing what everyone else out in the congregation is hearing, and I'm hearing something different? Yeah, there's there's no necessarily about it. You are not hearing yep. what the congregation hears. Yep. Um, nobody on stage is. Yep. Um, there, there are um, a couple of reasons for that. The biggest reason is because there are... 
acoustic sounds in the space. If I turn all the speakers off, yes, you hear people singing faintly, depending on how far away you are. You hear strums on an electric guitar. You don't hear any sound, but you hear the um, you hear the 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 pick going over the strings. Um, you acoustic. hear huh? Acoustic. You hear acoustic if there's drums. an acoustic guitar. Definitely gonna hear drums. Definitely <laughs> gonna hear drums, and you're gonna hear drums louder than everything else. Right. Okay, so if I turn off the speakers, that is what you will hear. So when I turn the speakers back on, um, if it were a Metallica concert, mm -hmm. my primary goal would just be to drown all of that out. Right. Almost to a T. Yep. My goal would just be let me get over the acoustic volume in the room. Yep. I don't want to hear any any bleed from drums or any I just want to yep. let me get over that. And that provides the energy that Metallica needs for their show. Um, right. Lots of distortion, lots of volume, everything. And so they're going to run, you know, pretty loud volume in that space. Um, in churches and in most other venues, we blend the acoustic volume, the physical acoustic volume, with what you hear coming out of the speakers. And so it's constantly this give and take of, okay, I hear the drums, but do I hear um, the appropriate sound of the drums because if I hit a kick drum without a speaker it's just it's not going to sound like a kick drum mm -hmm. it's going to sound like a, a slap and it's going to feel really strange okay so now I have it in the speakers okay but am I putting way way too much okay so that's that's reason number one um, so if if I mix a combination of acoustic sounds plus what comes out of the speakers if I were to put that in their headphones, they're only going to hear what I put in the speakers. They're not going to hear necessarily any of the physical sounds. They're going to hear some, but their headphones are not going to not going to let them hear anywhere near as much as what I'm hearing. Can we back up and just say yeah. um, everyone on the stage has headphones in both of their ears? Yes, and and the ability. Well, we can get to that. Yeah. But everyone on the stage has the headphones in their ears. That should all of the speakers seal, seal pretty well. All of the speakers that are pointed toward the con congregation are pointed away from everyone Correct. on the stage. And that's right. for their own reasons. Correct. Because if they were behind everyone, then they would yeah. be going into the mics then that they're can, trying to pick up from. That and that's a whole thing. Yeah. But the, the design has to be that the speakers are in front of the people on the Correct. stage. Yeah. And then you have to have a different solution for the people that are making the music yeah. to hear it. It can be floor monitors or in-ear monitors. We yeah, and so and and that's a good point. So we could and and Shades used to put monitors on the yeah. floor. Um, yeah. and monitors on the floor then add to the sound in the room because 100%. not yep. only um, we can get super techie here for a second. So not only do you hear the sounds coming out of the mains which are coming towards us at a certain um, they hit our ears after a certain amount of time, after a certain amount of milliseconds. Okay, great. If we were to have monitors on the floor, those monitors fire backwards towards the band. Okay, great. We hear this radiation from behind the monitor that hits our ears at a certain amount of time. Okay, great. We also hear where the sound bounces off the back wall and comes yeah. back out into the... And it does this really strange... It, it makes it sound very strange, and it's difficult to mix. And it's like if one person says, I need to hear myself yeah. a little bit more, which is another purpose yeah. of in-ear monitors, is for the musicians to hear themselves appropriate yeah. levels to so that's sort well. of yeah. But if, if some vocalist says, hey, I need to hear a little bit more of myself so that I can sing this song well, well, that's now pumping it into the room, which then right. makes you have to sometimes even turn them down yeah. in the house speakers to make it sound right, which yeah. is just you know a whole other 
Yeah, and that's that's reason number two for headphones because monitors are a disaster. Uh, monitors, if you can go away from monitors, go away from monitors. I know it makes it look like the band is like super disconnected mm-hmm. and and because they've got headphones in and it is it is better for their safety. Um, because they can have lower volumes in their ears than they can monitors. It's better for the congregation, all sorts of reasons. Yeah. Um, so that's why they have their own mix in their ears, because they don't hear any acoustic sounds, and so they have their own mix. I don't send them what I send to the congregation. I have. I've sent it to JM right. before, <coughs> yep. And because um, I wanted him to, to kind of hear a little bit of what we were doing. Um, we had a specific reason to do that. Mm-hmm. And very quickly after the service, he said, I don't want to do that anymore. And he wanted his old mix. Right. Um, because right. it's, I mean, it sounds strange to him to have that, because it's not, he's missing some of the, some of the sounds, because I'm blending the physical acoustic sounds with what's coming out of the speakers. I'm blending all of that together, and their in-ears are not blending. They are just purely like, this is the sound. These are the sounds that you. That another you get. another just basic fact of of how it's set up is is everything we've talked about with with what Matt mixes for the room. Each person in the band has the knobs and app um, to on their phone that helps them control an entire mix for their own ears. Yeah, so if and they, it's great. <laughs> if they uh, so they all the factors that applied to that Matt has talked about. Each band has their own individual version of that in their own ears. Right. So the benefits to that are, you know, a vocalist may say, I'm going to make it uncomplicated and I'm just going to make sure I can hear John Mark and the keys and I'm going to mostly just follow that and that's all I care about. And then me, I'm going to like try to get a really even full sound in my, in my ears um, and I'm gonna do an entire make an entire mix of every I mean, you know setting a level for every single instrument just for myself and of course I'm gonna turn myself up more yeah. so that I can hear myself well more precisely um, but uh, it, that's all individualized and each person during practice has the job of mixing their own ears yeah. with ev- for every instrument and it's it's great it's great from a whole bunch of different reasons you know. Um, every church should go to in ears yeah. without a, without a question. I every agree. venue should go to in ears, and, yeah. and thankfully that is taking over. Um, in ears are just becoming a staple. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, I know I used to to look at a congregation uh, from a from a congregation standpoint. I used to look up at at the stage and see all these people with wireless in ears and everything, and I'd be like, "What? What a waste of money! Why not mm-hmm. just do, you know, why not just do X Y Z?" And it is it is so much better, so 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 much better. Yeah, yeah. So uh, hopefully that that sort of answers that question of of why your mix sounds like it's in a bathtub and why everyone else's. <laughs> I do like a good bit of reverb. Yes, Jayab just has has only reverb. He doesn't need anything else. He I just wants. I was the one primarily mixing at the time when we transitioned from. Uh, having floor monitors every week mm-hmm. to in ears, oh, yeah. and it was just—it's a huge difference in terms of um, the amount of control that you have. Oh yeah. Now it's just like you don't have to compensate for all the the stage noise, and it's just—it was—it's so much clearer, so much more control. Um, we also went from an analog to a digital board. Yeah. Which, right. Wow, that was a big step up for shades yes, too. Yes, yeah. being able to mix from the iPad, walk around the room, and make adjustments from yeah. different spots in the room. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and also the other thing with in-ears is 
each person has their own individual one. It used to be like, well, these two or three people would share this this one, and they basically kind of have to yeah. compromise on, you know, well, I need to hear myself, but you also need to hear yourself prominently, and we got to just get to, yeah. you know, find a compromise. So everybody having individual ones is great too. So. Yeah. Yeah, we got all that set up, and it, it made a big difference. I think the um, for anyone who's who's gotten lost, uh, I'll try to just kind of boil it down to the basics. Um, there's the main speakers that we call it the mains. Those, that's where pointed out towards the congregation, and that's what Matt controls. And um, that's all that the congregation can hear is what Matt controls. Yeah. And then everyone on in the band on the stage has headphones in and they can't hear i mean ideally can't hear anything from out there and uh are they're controlling their mix so um everything that the congregation hears is from the mix of the sound engineer and then oh one the crowd mic is an interesting factor too so we um so since so with floor monitors this isn't a factor because if someone just starts you know which is common at shades valley praying out from the middle of anywhere Um, then, you know, with floor monitors, you don't have anything in your ears and you can just kind of hear what's happening in the room with in-ear monitors. The point is, and they're designed to like, be like earplugs. They're not like Apple AirPods that, or whatever. Yeah, no, they're like a, they they're like a plug. They yeah. seal. You want to eliminate any sort of room noise. So, but the, the problem with that is that you can't hear what's happening in the room. So we actually add a mic and sit it at the front of the stage, it's usually right around the bottom of the cross, and it's um, pointing out. And that mic is not routed to the the main speakers at Correct. all. Correct. Yeah, that it is, is not only routed to the in ears, and it is for the purpose of the people who the people in the band to have some sense of what's yeah. going on in the room. And this might be a good time to mention Shades does not use um, tracks. Shades does not filter in. Uh, anything, let me phrase it this way. If it's on stage, that's what we put in the speakers. If it's not on stage, we don't put it in the speakers. Yeah, JM has a couple of toys that he links to his keyboard um, that that makes some extra sound, but those are determined by what JM does. Other churches, um, big churches and small churches, sort of lean on this idea of, of... we can't get the sound that we want, so we need to add these other tracks in. Right. Um, and one of the most startling times was when uh, I was back in Arkansas and I went to a church. And I remember uh, being in the congregation, and they had three electrics on stage, I think, and an acoustic and key. I mean, they had a full a full band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the song started, and the electric guitars were not doing anything. And there was an electric guitar blasting through the speakers oh my God. because they were adding in. Ex- yeah, explain what a track is. Yeah, so a track is just literally, like if you hear a song on the radio, what they did is they took that guitar that you hear on the radio and they added it to their Sunday morning. That recording of that Yeah, that of recording that of that guitar. They took it and they added it to Sunday morning because they they had three electrics on stage, but none of them, I guess, were physically capable of playing a particular, you know... Um, guitar lick or something and so they felt like that lick was integral to the song right. and so they're, they're blasting it through these and they stood up there for a good 20 or 30 seconds before they did anything wow. and then yeah. they finally started to, to play and fill in the sound but yeah. then this other thing that the church did which churches do this and Shades does not um, 
uh, is they they filter in audience sounds, and so they filter right. in applause and they filter in congregational singing. They they have tracks. They don't even have a mic that points out to the audience and then loop that back through. No no no. They have a track of a congregational singing that they would then layer. That's so interesting. Onto the thing because I guess they feel like the congregation is not singing or they're worried about people don't hear other people singing, so we, we want them to be comfortable or something. I, I don't know. It's That is a very... If Shades ever did that, I, w- I would be out But even if we wanted to do that, we go off script we almost go off script. every... <laughs> yeah, all, like, all the time. We, yeah. 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 Don't no, I don't I don't want to make it seem like JM is not prepared because my gracious he is. No, it's he's more prepared yes. and able to in, yes. uh, in order to go off script yeah. so comfortably. Yeah, and he and and the musicians on stage are comfortable doing that. You don't you don't see that at other churches both because churches feel the need to be super rigid. Like you have to do we have to be here. Songs have to last three and a half minutes. Everything's timed down to the second. I mean that is a so real. So you can be in sync with the I mean, other it's campuses. A real, yeah, it's a real thing. It all it's all like this. Um, yeah. And part of it is because of their musicians aren't capable of just flowing, um, which ours totally are. Our musicians yeah. will flow, um, and 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 JM leaves space for the Holy Spirit to move both within the band and within the congregation. One of the things that used to infuriate me about JM. <laughs> is um, <laughs> is uh, uh, every Sunday JM sings a song that we don't have slides for. I don't know if you've noticed this as a congregation, but we <laughs> almost <laughs> happens every Sunday. Every single Sunday, every Sunday there is a song that we don't have slides ready for. And and you may be thinking to yourself, why can't the slides team get it together? Well, here's the reason: because <laughs> JM picks a rando song every single it's Sunday, true. which is super frustrating as. <laughs> As I'm, I'm coming around. Hang yeah, on. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 I'm with bring, you, man. It's okay. It I know. So I it's know like, myself. It's because I do. I I used to do all the slides, and so it was super frustrating um, to like have all of this prepared, and then JM just pulls the random song out of the '90s that we haven't mm-hmm. made slides for, and yeah. and so. But at the same time, JM every Sunday that space is for him literally to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying and provide a song for him for that moment for the congregation based on what Jonathan has spoken about, right. what the rest of the room is doing. I mean, it is literally him channeling the Holy Spirit into the congregation, which you are not ever going to hear in another church. I don't know of another church that just randomly sings a whole song, not even like a chorus they throw. I mean, it's, oh, we need to go this direction. And then the entire band pivots. They don't have they don't have chords for it. They don't have anything. They just pivot. Yeah, they've probably played it a few times, but but it's just super cool to see that that space that 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 shades and that JM provide. So yes, it is frustrating that we don't have slides for that, but that's that's the reason. I mean, it is mm. it is literally a leaning on the Holy Spirit in this moment and what what can what can I what can you do? Use me to provide this stuff, which I, I think is super, super cool. Yeah, there's definitely like a number of church contexts that that do that sort of thing. So I'm definitely not. I wouldn't say that I'm I'm unique in that. I think it makes shades unique within our context. Um, and there's a lot of churches that do very similar things. And you know, I I was actually before I was at Shades, I was at a much bigger church, much much bigger, and uh, 
I think part of the reason why we never used tracks had a lot to do with the musicianship there and me being a part of the worship there and almost this, uh, I don't know, this rebelliousness in me to not ever want to do that. And I kid you not, less than a year after I left, they all started using tracks (laughs) on Sunday morning. And I don't think it has anything to do with my talent because there are so many talented people there. But I think it just had to do with a shift in how they wanted to do their Sunday morning services and what they felt as important uh, to how they uh, lead on Sunday mornings. And so I, it is a lot, it would be a lot easier to run tracks because then I wouldn't really have to rely on anyone necessarily doing their job and coming prepared. It's more of a challenge to do what we do and especially not to pay our musicians, which some bigger churches can pay uh, very well to have their musicians come and play. And we can't do that at Shades. And so uh, it's a challenge. And so I kind of have to challenge all of the players to uh, be creative and fill up as much space as they can sonically and also uh you know, doing a good job and being excellent at their instrument and also providing space for the Holy Spirit. There's a number of factors that go into it, but uh, it's just never been the the conviction for me has always been to uh, use what we have on stage and use the instrumentalists that I have available, vocalists that I have available. And if that means that some weeks it, it may turn into this weird like drum machine and Keys well, and vocals and stuff. Then, then so be it. That's that's it's, what we do. But I, there are no tracks. I <laughs> I think know? it's pushed you to be creative in yeah. in ways that uh, have turned out great. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. it it doesn't pigeonhole songs to only exist in one way. Right. Right. Like there are there are giant songs out there. No longer a slave is one of them. I mean, just yeah. a huge song. Yeah. But when you when you force yourself to use tracks and you say this is the only way this song can exist, right? What a what a strange way to think of a a piece of music. Like yeah. why not why not see if it fits in other in other spaces? Um, and JM does that. Shades does that really really well. About you know we don't have fifteen guitar. I mean on that track. On that song, I couldn't even tell you how many guitars are layered underneath. I mean, just dozens and dozens. Oh, yeah. Things that you hear on the so radio. Much. Yeah. You know, it's not a five-piece band. It's a 50-piece band. You just don't hear it. It just blends in and adds all this stuff. Imagine if we had a track going and Bill comes up during the middle of a bridge <laughs> and just starts sharing what he feels like the Lord's oh, saying. Man, that would be crazy. The track's still going, and they're about to just jump into the next oh, course. Man, it that would, would be, be You know, it's a nightmare. It, it just nuts. doesn't work. Yeah, it, it would never work here at all i a uh, quick story i uh substituted worship led this week at a church here in birmingham a baptist church and I, I led for like their college service the the worship leader got sick i was only supposed to play piano so i was like looking forward to having a really chill evening where i didn't have to sing and i could just kind of roll in and do what i would do what i like to do and then there was some sickness. He was like, can you just lead the service? And I was like, okay. <laughs> he's like, you can do, you know, he's like, I trust you. Just do what you want to do. And, um, within reason, obviously. Uh, and so I was like, well, let's just can the band. I was like, I don't want to have to deal with all that. Uh, I said, I'll just play acoustic. So I 
detuned my guitar and did like the open tuning thing. And uh, but what was funny though is it's a, it's a bigger church. They they have like a big budget and they have everything's like very it's it's not super programmatic, but it's everything's in line though. Like it's it's a lot more organized than than Shades Valley. Uh, but I definitely at the end of the service when I came back up to do my last song, I listened to the sermon. I was like, man, there's this bridge that really just fits really well and I didn't tell them I was going to do it but I'm going to do it after I finish the the song that I'm playing so I went into it there were no slides everyone was just kind of standing there looking around uh and it was uh I you know they got to experience a little bit of Shades Valley at their at their church in their context yeah my favorite is when when something starts happening and and there's no slides for it. That's when that feels like, it feels like oh yes, <laughs> that's your so favorite. Really, well, obviously, when I'm in the band, I know the plan for the day. I know what songs we've practiced what, and, and what we right, have. It. But right. um, the days I'm not, it's like oh yes, this is, uh, this is uh, something's happening. They're scrambling in the back. Yeah, trying meanwhile, to find I'm, I'm back right. there saying um, unchristian oh, words. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We even to. we even set up a system for me to be able to text message the back yeah. computer. And that's helpful. because a lot of times I know the song. For sure. Um, yeah, that has helped. Or John, John Mark knows what he's about to do uh, when he's still able to text. Um, like maybe yeah. tw- between songs, hey, I'm about to go into this. They have give him a minute to look it up. Um, right. But but yeah, that's my that's and I, I th- I've heard I know that people have the opposite opin- opinion. Right. People are like, no, it's n- w- just sing the song beginning to end yeah, and right. I, the way I know it. And yeah, so there's some diversity. Uh, that's kind of my favorite is is like that when you start going into something and the screens are black, I'm like, oh, something's happening. I mean, the thing that happens with me most of the time, what happens is I'll I'm actually getting to hear the sermon for the first time, like everyone else is. I mean, we've talked about it in worship planning, but sometimes for whatever reason, like Jonathan or Brad, whoever's speaking, may say something or they may there may be something that they're honing in on that I had not really thought about that week. And something just gets revealed, and I'm like, man, there. And then I think about this chorus or something pops into my head, and I'm like, this is gonna, I need to do this at some point in the back end. And that's usually what happens. And things happen in the moment, too, where something will, will, uh, the Holy Spirit will lay something on my heart or whatever. Just like, yeah. the, just like the Holy Spirit works with people that are coming up to the mic. And that's, I mean, that is what's wild is like, you know, I, I on this past Sunday, Bill got up to the mic. He doesn't know what the set list is. He doesn't know what songs we're playing. He got up and started talking about suffering and how Jesus is acquainted with our grief and and how he, you know, he understands suffering because he suffered the most. And we literally were about to play the song "Son of Suffering." It was like everything Crazy. that he just laid out is like in the song. Yeah. And that is just the Holy Spirit just moving and working, and so we try to provide as much space for that, and that may may make people uncomfortable, but we provide that space because the Holy Spirit is active and working and moving within our midst. And so, anyways, I don't all know things that Matt has to uh, roll yes. with as yes. it, as it, as it happens. And if you didn't have someone back there running sound, Ooh, it, what a disaster it would be, Ooh, buddy. <laughs> that that mic. That mic down front is the scariest thing in the world for an audio engineer. <laughs> yes. Because my job is to be transparent and not cause distractions. And, man, that mic, yep. that mic is spooky. Yeah. Well, is there anything else? We, we've been going on for a while. I hope everyone has stayed with us. Is there anything else that we should mention or anything to sum up or what would be your message to should people? We, we didn't really speak 
um, about like loudness as a number. Okay. Yeah. So let's is talk. That, is that useful? Yeah. Let's just talk about that briefly. Um, I don't want to get too bogged down by it, but I think it's great information. So, uh, yeah. So there's an actual like way to measure how loud something is. Kind kind of. But kind yeah. of. Yeah. I'm sure it's an abstract way yeah. of doing it, but it, there is a way. And then there are organizations that have done research uh, because you you may work at a factory. You may have a factory job for example, and there may be a lot of loud machinery that you're working with. So there are organizations that want to make sure, okay, if this person is working in this environment, are their ears being protected right now? Um, what kind of volumes are they being exposed to? Is that bad for their health when it comes to how they orally hear, hear things? So let's, let's talk about DB levels maybe a little bit and how that factors into what we do here at Shades. Yeah, so... Um, the church has, over the past several months, I would say, uh, really been trying to dive into this and what do we what do we need to do um, from an audio perspective? Um, you know, do where what range do we need to exist in? Are we too loud? If we are, do we just physically need to be less loud? Mm-hmm. Um, we have we have JM and I uh, have spent loads of time just listening to the speakers at, at different levels and mm-hmm. going, you know what, this is this is probably too loud, or no, this this needs to be moved up. Um, so um, yep. first, if we talk about like OSHA, the the occupational um, uh, what is it, self ha- uh, safety and, and health advocate or whatever uh, administration, um, they have a a level a DBA meter that is pretty consistent. It, it changes based on what thing you're looking at. But essentially, anything above 90, 95 dB starts to become a bit of a problem. Uh, and so I'm looking at one right here, and it says, if you are listening to something uh, that is 91 decibels, uh, or 95 decibels based on um, NIOSH has one and OSHA has one. So, But we'll take the lower number, 91. You can listen to that for two hours straight. You could put on headphones at 91 decibels for two hours before you have mm-hmm. any like damage to your hearing. And I'm talking, if you were to just take static and dump that in your ears at 91 decibels for two hours. What kind of crazy person would you, you be? First of all, second of all, you would think it was very loud <laughs> right. to sit there for two hours with this thing in your ears. Um, but that's that's what we're talking about. We're talking about long-term exposure. Um, right. OSHA doesn't even, like the, the limit that OSHA says is 120 decibels. And they say you can listen to that for three and a half minutes before you cause hearing. Mm. If you were to hear something at 120 decibels, like a gunshot, listen to a constant gunshot for three and a half minutes, <laughs> and you're still, you haven't damaged your hearing. Okay, so that's, that's, what, we're, that's what we're talking about here. Yes, it may, it may feel loud, but your hearing is not immediately, oh, well, there it goes. I've lost it. I've, I've, right. I can no longer. No, no, no. Your ears protect themselves quite a lot. There's a lot of really cool uh, physical things that your ears do to protect themselves when loud sounds come in. Um, so the church has looked at these levels. We have listened in the space. We have a meter that lets us uh, measure different 
loudness, different decibel levels, and uh, based on ranges of other churches, um, based on articles and things that we've read, based on um, research, uh, that master's project that I did, I mm-hmm. reached out, and one of the things that I asked, I think, was uh, decibel ranges. I'll have to go back and look at that. Uh, but based on all of that information, most churches tend to run somewhere between, let's say, 80 and 95 decibels. Mm-hmm. When things get to be 90 or 95 decibels, it's pretty loud. Yeah. It's pretty loud to yeah. the point where you're feeling a little uncomfortable. And so remember, even though you're feeling uncomfortable, you can listen to that for two hours mm. before any damage is done. I'm not saying um, that the church has said, let's run at 95 decibels and have everyone be uncomfortable right. for two hours. Yeah, no, uncomfortable no, 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 no. is definitely not the goal either. No, no, sure. no, no, no. But it's, it's not it's a certainly not danger. No, no, no. It's not a danger. And uncomfortable is, is not the goal at all. No, 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 no. Um, but it may, there is a range because audio is not some... It's not static noise. Right. Audio right. comes in and out depending it's dynamic. on. Yeah, it's dynamic. Maybe, believe it or not, something as simple as John Mark moving one inch, and I'm serious, one inch closer to the microphone could immediately push us up over 95 decibels just based on how audio works. And so it could just be one little tiny detail like that that I can't prepare for. You know, the rest of the band can't even prepare for, but it's it's this one tiny thing uh, that makes a huge difference. Like right now, I'm speaking here at this mic, and I've backed up, and now you probably can barely hear me, and I've only gone two inches away. Mm-hmm. And so we're talking about things as small as that, which have this huge effect on what the room does. So our goal is to live at the low end of that range, somewhere near 80, 82, 84 decibels, um, and, I'm, I mean, it does move to the higher end of that range depending on what happens. It's right. not going to sit there, and I'm, I am uncomfortable at that level as well, and right. I won't let it sit at that level. Right. I will pull that level down sure. um, as well. But, but it's also not statically no. constant at that highest level. So, yeah. that, like you were saying, it could be a difference in the clanging cymbal that right. happens at the big part of the bridge or whatever that yeah. pushes it to that level for... A half second. A half second. Or, yeah, I'm not going to reach up and grab right. all of the sounds and go, oh my gosh, it's way too loud, and pull it down. And then right. it was only a half second. Now everything's too quiet. And right. now I'm just constantly like yep. chasing this up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Yeah, so there's um, a range. Yeah, that you're and I, I trust the musicians on stage to kind of also feel because they all have their in ears. And so what they hear in their head gets louder and softer which what, with what they do. And so if it is too loud, in their in-ears for what they're playing, they're naturally going to pull that down a little bit. They're naturally going to make adjustments. And so just trying to, like, it is a range. It is, uh, it's not a, it's not a static thing. Fantastic. I mean, that was all good stuff. Is there anything else that we need to cover before we go? Don't know. I think that's a great, uh, coverage great spot i guess we could say if you're if if the service is uncomfortably loud for you some steps that you could take so the church has provided am i correct have provided earplugs their earplugs in the back of the sanctuary they sit in what looks like it's like a basket looks like an offering basket basically but they sit on a little table in the back, not close to the sound booth back yeah. there. So, yeah. so wearing earplugs is is an option um, because we've spoken again. Like it is a modern worship service. We're we're going to live in this range, 
um, from around 80 to around 90, 92 decibels. We're going to live in that range. The sermon is naturally going to be below 80. Right. It's going to live somewhere in the 70s or 72s, depending. And um, people's, you know, ears and comfort levels are probably... That is the other really big, big kicker. You know, variable. Yes. People do not experience everything the same way. Right. They just don't. I'm trying to mix to, to my trained hearing, my trained ears. I'm trying to take into account um, JM's um, uh, instructions to me as the audio engineer. I defer to, to John Mark about um, anything in the house. I mean, he, he and I are a team, and I defer to him. If he doesn't want me to do something, I'm not going to do that on a Sunday morning. Uh, and so uh, I'm using what I understand as my my training, uh, my years of experience. I've done this for close to 10 years now in all sorts of different venues. I've run sound for 3,000 people. I've run sound for Miss Alabama. Um, I've done super small things. I've done I've done all sorts of different things. And so um, trying to take all of that experience and then recognize, you know, there's 200 people in the space. Let me try and, and kind of make all that work. So, so there are um, earplugs in the back. Uh, the other thing that you can do is you can physically move back in the auditorium. If you sit, um, the closer you sit to the speakers, the louder they will be. That's yeah. just that's just physics. As you move your way backwards, they will be less loud. Um, you can sort of find a corner. Corners will naturally be less loud because the sound kind of does some fun stuff and cancels in corners. And, and you may be able to find kind of there's angles all in the space. There's all sorts of uh, diagonals and, and right. walls and things in the space. And so the the fills we just added are more for the this particular ones we just did were are kind of filling the sides more. Yeah. And the back will probably remain a, a qu yeah. the quietest of the, spot the back of the room. is the back is certainly the quietest of the room. There's about a six or seven decibel difference from the front of the room to the back, which doesn't yeah. sound like a lot. But my it voice right difference. now, yeah. yeah, my voice right now is at whatever decibel it is. And if I do this, now I'm about six or seven decibels louder. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing, quieter. Matt. Uh, you mentioned this earlier, how we, we constantly will we'll go into the room or and quieter. listen. Yeah. We'll go into the room and listen and check out different volume levels. It's just amazing how I can walk, I can take a mere eight steps in one direction, uh, maybe f closer to the front of the room and then back. And just the the audio difference in just those eight steps, you know, maybe four or five rows back, how, how much quieter it is than when you're center of the room, maybe on that first or second row, and that speaker is faced right at you, and you're getting hit with sound. I mean, if, if you just go four or five rows back, it makes a, makes a huge difference, to my ears, anyway. Yeah, definitely. And, yeah. And, and I've shown you as well that we've put, like, a, a single tone through, and you could right. walk... And, and it's super weird. You can walk around that room with a, a tone just boom coming through the speakers. And there are points where it almost goes away. I haven't done anything right. to the volume or anything. It's just the way sound works in the room. It, it just, you can stand here and it's, it's literally gone. It's crazy. It is super, super weird. Um, so there are different spots in the rooms that are quieter, some spots that are louder, some spots have more bass, some have less bass. Um, I would encourage you to move around the room for sure and, and see if, um, you know, Sunday to Sunday, find a different spot, which I think 
pastors would like that anyway for right. <laughs> congregation not to sit in the same spot every single Sunday. And same if you want it louder. Yeah, if you Find want it louder, louder move move forward by all means. Um, there there will come a point where you can actually move sort of too far forward and it gets a little quieter because you get under the speakers. Right. Um, but yeah, there is there is kind of the the second or third row back is about the loudest point in the entire auditorium, and then it and then it goes backwards from there. Um, so there's definitely that, and then. Um, JM, you can cut this out of the podcast or not. Mm. Um, people are welcome to come to the rehearsal and come hang out and listen and wander around the room and find your seat from there <laughs> if you want to do that. We rehearse Sunday mornings. Um, probably not the best time to ask me questions. <laughs> um, it just depends. You know, if it's one guitar and, and JM singing, you can probably ask me questions. But but that's the other thing. I Asking, asking questions is really useful. Yeah. You know, you know, come up and talk to JM or myself or, or Joseph or Jonathan um, about what is the church doing about about volume and about mixing and about all of this. And, and you know, um, we're happy to, to, to talk with you about any of that. Um, yeah, in the moment, you know, in the middle of service, it's awfully difficult to, to expound on. You know, we've been talking right. for you know, an hour and a half here. Yeah, um, right. So I would definitely, I would definitely say that JM and, and Jonathan would be happy to have a conversation uh, about all things audio as they would be happy about anything else. Yeah. I love it. And so I hope that any of you that listen to this are encouraged and maybe you understand, maybe, maybe uh, understand the depth of audio a little bit more and, obviously if you have any questions like Matt just said, come find one of us in person or you can always email shades midweek and the email there is midweek at shadesvalley.org. If you have any questions or comments, thoughts, that would be awesome. Matt, thank you so much. This was like so helpful uh, just to hear your thoughts on all this and sit down for an extended conversation. Thanks. I'm glad to do it. Yeah. If I can, whatever information I can offer, if it sounds interesting to you and you want to come hang out and, um, yeah, hang out with audio. If you're a, if you're a regular at Shades, yeah. come find me and we'll we'll talk about it. If you run audio at a if you're a college student and you run audio at your home church, you know, and you have questions, come on, come talk to me. Yeah, absolutely. And Joseph, thank you for being here and helping uh, providing just a, questions. A conversation. Yeah, Lord knows it would have been awkward if, I, if it was <laughs> just me and Matt. And I didn't a, ask any questions. A tough situation. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for listening uh, so much to this episode of Shades Midweek. As Brad often says, he's now on sabbatical. Email in to the show because it's Shades Midweek. You're a part of the conversation. <laughs>